so here's the like the the shock story like uh in 2008 i actually i joined another startup to work on something completely other like a social network and between like 2008 and 2011 or 12 nothing happens for todoist Welcome to the Conversion Aid Podcast, where we help software entrepreneurs to take their business to the next level. Each week, we interview proven industry experts who share their strategies and insights to help you create software that sells. Here's your host, Omer Khan. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Conversion Aid Podcast. This is uh, part two of the interview with Amir Salihevendich of Doist, the makers of Todoist. Um, in episode 84, in part one of the interview, we talked with Amir about how he actually abandoned Todoist when it was still a side project and he decided to accept a full-time job with a startup and how he basically put the product on the shelf for f- about four years until he recognized that there was actually an opportunity to turn this side project into a real business. And then we sort of explored how he went from quitting his job and within three short years uh, building a company with generating multi-million dollars in revenue and, and having over 40 employees. In this episode, we're going to talk about the importance of finding the right distribution channels and how that can help you reach the right users and customers. We also talk about why Armin believes that building a minimum viable product too quickly can actually be a bad idea, how he manages his team of 40 people who all work remotely and in an environment where they have very few meetings. And we also talk about how he manages his own day and priorities and some of the key lessons that you as an entrepreneur can apply in your own life. So let's get back to the interview. So I, I'm kind of intrigued by this. I, I, I had no idea that you had sort of left the Todoist for four years in sort of maintenance mode and it, it had still kept growing. And so 2012, you come back, you start working on it, um, you hire that first person. And then <clears throat> it was just a short th- three years after that. And where, you know, I know you guys don't disclose revenue, but you did tell me that you're talking about multiple millions of dollars revenue and you're profitable um, and you've got what, 40 over 40 employees now. What happened in those three years that just, just things seem to have just exploded? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm actually, I, I, I'm kind of unsure myself, but I think also like it, it's really fueled by uh, also the, the people that we have hired, uh, the products that we have built uh, and the, the amounts like, of energy that we actually invested in this. Uh, so, so, so it's it's kind of there's no real formula for this. It's just like you know working uh, really, really hard and really trying to put out something that's like of great quality and like just doing that over and over and over again. Um, Did you start um, doing marketing to drive that growth, or or was it still organic? Actually, like we hired marketing very late and PR. Uh, so I think we hired that in 2013. So, so it was not really fueled by the, 
by PR marketing. Like right now, we have some amazing people working in marketing and PR, and like uh, every release, we we get like a lot of publicity. But like back then, uh, we didn't really do that. Uh, I I think like one of the most important parts uh, of of the two story is also like understanding the distribution channels, and you know I think we nailed that part. Uh, so basically, like the Google search engine is very important, but then like also we got uh, some really great mobile apps, uh, and uh, they are also like highly ranked in both the App Store and Play Store, and this also like generated a lot of traffic to us. Um, so so I, I would say like marketing, not like in the general sense of you know getting featured on TouchCrunch, but more like marketing in terms of like finding the right distribution channels. Uh, and the right way to like reach the users that you are interested in. So, so apart from Google, what what else? What, what were those distribution channels that really worked for you? So, when you talked about mobile, um, was it just was? Did you guys just focus on building a great app, or or did you actually do any sort of specific things to to try and improve, um, you know, how that channel worked for you? Yeah, I mean, we were just focused on building great mobile apps, but like having great mobile apps opens up uh, distribution channels. So like you get new users in that find you via the stores. Uh, so that worked really, really well for us. Uh, and I think like that's also probably one of the biggest challenges. Uh, like if the first challenge is building a great product that users actually find useful and like. The other challenge is like finding the right distribution channels and like reaching out to your users. Uh, and probably like the reason why Todoist has grown so much is because we nailed both of these properties. So like we have a great product, but we also have like a great distribution of it. Yeah, I've I, you know I, I've seen, I mean full disclosure, I'm a Todoist user and customer myself. Um, but yeah, I mean it's available on Android, iOS, Windows, Mac. It integrates into browsers, um, and I noticed you guys are doing even Evernote integration now as well. That was something I I, I didn't know about at all. But uh, it sounds like a lot of work trying to maintain all of these different versions of the product. Uh, yeah, I mean that is definitely like it's, and it's also it's a very complex product, and it's a very complex. Uh, problem space because like we are solving the same problems like Dropbox, like synchronization between devices, uh, synchronization of like data, uh, uh, you know, real-time syncing. Uh, and right now we also have like natural da- uh, language passing built in our mobile apps. So it's really like getting very, very advanced as well. Uh, and I think like that's also something that, that really uh, is important. It's like when people think about like uh, doing something uh, simply or like MVP or something like that, like I don't really think that that is uh, the the goal. The goal is like to build something really powerful that's very easy to use. What, what do you mean about that? What, 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 how? how t- tell me more about that. I, I'm not sure I understood the point. Uh, so like a lot of the startups I see, especially like uh, from new entrepreneurs, is that they go out and you know. Uh, their MVP is like some kind of dummy uh, solution that they code in in a, a week or something, and I think like that is probably not 
the kind of uh, simplicity you want. Uh, you want uh, to build something that's like very powerful, but is easy to use. Uh, yeah. If you understand what I mean. So like, yeah. if, if you just like do a to-do list and uh, do it like without any kind of advanced features, you know, just a flat to the, like, you will have no growth there. You will not solve the, the, the main problems that people have. Uh, and, you know, uh, to do app is just an example, but. Uh, what was the powerful thing that you built when you created the first version of the product back in 2007? Um, I would probably say like uh, subtasks uh, were very prob- uh, powerful and like uh, date parsing was very powerful. And like even today, like uh, none of our uh, competitors have the subtasks and subprojects that we have. Uh, they don't have the date parsing that we have. Uh, this said, like I think also this can be very very dangerous, and that's something that I really regret that I didn't think enough about uh, the feature set or like the API or how it will work together. So like right now when we design stuff, we are like much more. Uh, we have like a much better design process of, of doing that. And I think that is really, really important uh, is like really thinking things through before you implement them. Because like right now, there's a lot of things that we can't change because we have so much legacy and, you know, users using this uh, while we could have had some better solutions for some of the problems that we have. Let's talk about productivity and how how what does what does a typical week for you look like? How do you organize your time and your day? What's the process that you go through? So actually, like the thing to note about me is that I'm actually still developing. So it's probably uh, not that I do this, but uh, you know I really enjoy the development process and you know hacking around the, uh, on stuff. So. Like I spend a lot of time uh, developing stuff, you know, just with a code editor. And then uh, I usually do this in the morning. Um, So when I wake up, I probably spend like three or four hours uh, developing. And then after that, I go in and, uh, you know, respond uh, on our like team communication app, uh, like Slack or email or uh, Teamcom that we are using. and uh, then I maybe have... What time do you wake up in the day? Um, I usually wake up like at 8, 8.30. I, I, I'm not like an early riser. I have never been. Uh, so I start my day pretty late. It's actually something I want to change, but uh, I have not changed it like in 30 years. I will probably not change it. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I started doing that. I started waking up at... Uh, I've always been like a night owl, never saw myself as a morning person. And for the last few months, I started waking up at 5 a.m. And it was really powerful and it was really hard at first. And I found myself getting more and more um, productive just just because there seemed to be these early hours where there was nothing going on. But I found over the last few weeks, I'm falling back into my old pattern of waking up between you know around seven or something like that and and i i don't know i think i think whatever works for you it doesn't really matter right i mean it's still the same it's still 24 hours whatever time you wake up right Um, yeah 
Okay, so you do the coding, and then you you focus on the team communication and Slack and and sort of what else. And and so, do do you go into an office or or do you always work from home? Um, I usually go into an office. We have like an office here, and the reason for this is that um, like I, I like to have like a separate a space. Like you know, home is where I don't work. When I come come home, you know, I, I focus on the home stuff like. Uh, being with my wife and relaxing, reading stuff and stuff like that. Uh, so I prefer to to work from an office. That that is great advice, and I think for me as well because I I left uh, my corporate job last year and and work from home, and actually that has been one of the biggest challenges for me is that everything has just blurred so much now. Right, it's like in terms of the hours that you work and personal life, and and you're doing you you're kind of everything is just so mixed up. It's much harder to just manage manage your your day and get things done, um, and have enough time, as you said, for your for your personal life as well, and not find yourself that you're working all the time. Okay, yeah, I mean, uh, I would like if I work from home, I would probably work all the time, and you know that is very bad uh, for your you know personal life. So, yeah. Okay, so so what else do, does a typical day or a week look like for you? Well, that is uh, that is the typical stuff. Like I do actually very few meetings. Like I have probably a few meetings per week. Uh, I don't really like meetings that much. Uh, I think they are like very unproductive. Uh, yeah. So That's... and actually, like uh, in Duist, uh we have very few meetings. Uh, so it's probably not the typical, you know, uh, remote work uh, setup. Like what we really care about is producing great work, uh, and also like uh, the the communication is mostly written. Um, and and so tell me about that. how how do you do that? Is it you you mentioned Slack earlier? Is that the main way you're doing that, or do you have other ways to? No, I mean that is like the main way. And actually, like we are currently doing like a. Uh, team communication app that we're also using so it's uh, it's pretty exciting to also build like a tool that you're using yourself cool and and presumably you guys are using Todoist as well as a big part of the business right to run it yeah de- definitely <laughs> okay I, I mean f- for me like also the way that I really structure my work is from Todoist like uh, all the emails that I respond to all the meetings go there uh all the tasks that I need to do uh, and I prioritize stuff, uh, you know. So my life is basically like controlled outside of Todoist. Let, let's talk about that because, um, you know, I don't want this to become a, a you know, a sales pitch for Todoist. And, uh, but I, I do want to kind of dig into how you use that product and to, to manage your day because, um, so let, let's start with email. So, I mean, email is a big thing that takes up uh, a lot of people's time. How, how, do you, how, how do you deal with email and, and how does Todoist play into that? Uh, so basically, the thing is I have uh, the Gmail plugin installed and I basically like, delegate stuff that I need to do. Uh, so like I turn emails into tasks. Uh, and then I also try to like process emails in batches instead of like processing it one per time, like I allocate like uh, 30 minutes to process all my email. And then the stuff that I can't do right away, I, I, I turn into tasks. And then like I specify a day I want to do it. Like 
Monday, Tuesday, depending on the priority it has. Okay. And and how often do how many times a day do you check your email? Um I would say probably like two or three times uh depending like uh on what I'm doing like if I'm doing a lot of coding I don't check it that often. Uh, okay. Maybe even once per day sometimes. So you go through a couple of times you process the mail um and you kind of are basically trying to get everything out of your inbox. Um, and into Todoist in some some kind of task. Exactly. Cool. Okay. So that's email taken care of. Okay. What's what's the next thing? Because I think for, for when I think about this, there is um, you have a list of projects. So do you track all your projects in there as well? Um. Yeah. I mean. Um... Uh, I mean, how, I do. How, many, how many projects do you have in Todoist? Um, I have probably over 100, I think. Wow. And probably thousands of tasks. Uh, but like some of them are shared as well. So uh, it's not all my tasks. Uh. So that, that I, I got to figure this out because um, I, I spent a lot of time in the last few years, you know, with the sort of the David Allen getting things done kind of philosophy i know there are a lot of people who listen to this show who also are into gtd but one of the things that i found really difficult is that once you start putting everything into a tool whatever tool it is right it could be todoist it could be something else you can get to a point where you open up that that app and there's like so many things on that list. Like, I, I just don't know where to start, right? So what, what advice would you give somebody like me? Um, like, how, how, do you, how do you sort of tackle that? You know, it's great to get all of this thing into a system somewhere. Um, but how do you decide what to actually work on? Um, so basically, like, the thing I use a lot is the calendar calendaring uh, functionality of Todoist. So basically, like, I assign tasks on different days. And then I also use, like, priorities to, you know, uh, specify what is, like, a top priority for, for, for this day. And then I, I move stuff around. So, like, if I can't make something uh, this day, I postpone it to another day. Uh, so really, like, for me, that's how I filter stuff, like, all of this, all of these tasks that I have, I only see like a fraction of them and work only on fraction of them and only work on those that have a, a date. Like, you know, on Monday, I want to achieve this, this and that. Uh, and I don't really like go into all the data that I have there. Okay, so just if I got this straight, so you're, you're taking those tasks, you're assigning them to a particular day so you don't see everything at the same time. And then you're using the... Uh, you're going through and sort of prioritizing them and then sort of starting to work on the things that are at the top of the list. Exactly. Okay. Now, if you have 100 projects, how often do you go through all those projects and figure out if there's something that needs to be done in there? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I mean, I'm also... uh, the thing I like, I uh, work very specific and very focused on something. So like... Uh, it could be just I go into a subset of these uh, projects and just like 
focus on like uh, let's say uh, date parsing of Todoist and then going to deep into that and you know that project maybe has has a lot of uh, bug reports or whatever or feature requests or whatever and then I go into this uh, and the same like with other products so uh, I only like zoom in when when I think it's it's important to do that. Uh, other than that, I, I don't really go into it. How, how do you, I mean? A lot of times I hear people, and I, I'll talk to. So I had um, Rob Rawson on the show, uh, the the founder of um, Time Doctor, and one of the th- important points that he made was it's it's, it's not just about what you work on it's also just as important what you say no to um do do you subscribe to that same philosophy do you actually spend a lot of time like going through and and deciding what you're not going to do or or having a list somewhere where you capture these things that you're never going to work on or what how do you tackle that i think that is a very very good tip uh so like we all have very limited times and especially like uh for very busy people, I think like they have so limited time to work on something. And I think it's very important to, to focus on the essential stuff and ignore everything else. Uh, so, so definitely like we are thinking a lot about like what, like what do we want to spend energy on and what don't we want to spend energy on? Uh, Because else like your focus will just be all over the place uh, and your energy as well. Yeah. Um, what, what else do you do on a, on a weekly or daily basis to, I, I'm just, so, so you mentioned some of the things and, and the more you tell me, the more I sort of start to feel overwhelmed because are you using it also as one place to track all your bugs and feature work as well? Uh, yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> So, but so the, you got, you guys really do use this for everything. It's like amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty weird, uh, like it's it's a great tool. But the thing is, like, we are also trying to improve this aspect of, of it. And I think also in the near future, we will do a lot better um, features for like team usage and and business usage. So currently, it's like mostly really really good for personal usage, but like for team. Productivity is not really that great. Um, so that's what we are trying to improve. But actually, like, one of the tips I really want to um, to recommend, and this is like really about team collaboration and working with other people, and something that has really worked well for us, is that we have implemented an OKR system. I'm unsure if you know what OKR uh, is uh, But basically, um. I think it was Intel who first implemented this. And it's basically like, um, here's how we do this. Like Google and Intel have very different versions. R is like super simplified. So each Monday, each uh, team and each team member uh, post their OKRs for this week. So basically they say like, what is the biggest objectives for this week? Uh, What did I accomplish last week? And how do I rate my accomplishments last week? And this has worked really, really well for us. And I would recommend to do this. And I think also like some of the things that I will try to do this is also like for a personal productivity, like have an OKR, like a weekly and a monthly OKR where you say, okay, this is the most important stuff for this week. Uh, and for maybe the whole month, like what do you want to accomplish this month? Uh, 
like in, in our work, uh, before like we did these OKRs, you didn't really know what people were up to uh, and people didn't really reflect over their work. Like with OKRs, it's, it's, it's very uh, powerful because like you specify what you want to achieve, but you also reflect on what you have achieved uh, last week. And actually right now we have uh, weekly OKRs and monthly OKRs and I can really recommend this tip. Where do your team post this information? Uh, so we are using our own messaging app, but like you can do it via an email. Uh, there's also like apps that are specific to this. We have actually checked them out. We do not recommend, or I do not recommend to use them. It's like much easier to, you could also do it like inside Slack uh, or email or any kind of a team communication app. Got it. Okay. And then do, do you actually spend time going through and reading all these OKRs every week? Uh, yes. I mean, that gives me like a very clear picture of like what everybody is, is, is working on. And also uh, each team member has to specify like any kind of bottlenecks they are having on some kind of thing. And maybe somebody else can help them out with this. I, I you know, I come from a culture a corporate culture where meetings were the way of life, right? Um, I agree that they mostly meetings are a huge waste of time. Um, and, and actually I just, I just sometimes when I look back at the, the hours or years of my life that I wasted sitting in pointless meetings, it just makes me feel uh, <laughs> horrible. Um, but there are often situations where having a meeting actually is really valuable where you want to have people together, uh, you know, maybe in front of a whiteboard to collaborate and brainstorm how a feature should work or designing designing a particular aspect of, of a feature or a product. If you guys aren't having that many meetings, how do you handle those kinds of situations and, and, and sort of collaborating with the team on, on building the product? Um, I don't really think like meetings are the best way to, to come up with the best solutions. Um, I think like the written form where you really think carefully about something, where you try out, like uh, for instance, designers try to mock up stuff. Uh, developers try to like mock up stuff like uh, APIs or whatever. And really, like, I think it's a much more powerful way of, of, of reaching a really good solution. Uh, and I think also, like, it depends on the people. Uh, like, some, we do have whiteboards and we do occasionally use them. And you can, like, even have a whiteboard discussion with remote uh, people. Like, everybody can have a whiteboard and scribble stuff onto. But it's not really how we work. Like, we use it sometimes. Uh, but most of the time, we really uh, go 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 deep into something, and then, like uh, for instance, we discuss something, you know, present our view of how things should work, do some mock-ups, uh, and really have like a strong design process that's like careful and not like something that just happens on a whiteboard uh, or like happens in a meeting. Uh, so a lot of people listening to this are um, entrepreneurs. And and from your experience, 
the time that you've been working in the productivity space, what are some of the common mistakes that you think that you see entrepreneurs making when it comes to managing their time and productivity? Um, and what are some some tips that you think might help people just to become a little bit more productive? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest tip I can provide is basically having a system that's up to date all the time. Like uh, the thing I see a lot of the time is that people commit to some kind of system, but they only commit to it to a, for a, like a week. Uh, and I think for a system to be efficient, you, you really need to commit to having it updated and use it all the time. So like you should not freestyle at any point uh and just like do stuff because you uh, you want to do them. Of course, like you can you can allocate time to you know uh, be creative or whatever, brainstorm and stuff. Uh, but like that should really be part of your system. Uh, so so for me, like I have everything inside Todoist, uh, and that helps me manage stuff, prioritize it, and get an overview over you know how I'm how am I going to spend my days. Uh, um, and I can re- recommend the same thing for, for, for people. Okay. Uh, are there any other mistakes that you see people making? I think also like the, the tasks that you add should be actionable. Uh, and you should really try to uh, write as specific tasks and as small tasks as possible. Of course, like you should not really overdo this. But I think like, uh, for instance, if you want to get uh, you know, drop some 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 pounds. Uh, then you should not uh, have a task that says lose weight. Like you should be much more specific. Like you know, run three times uh, per week, or uh, you know, eat more fruit or three times per week. Like very specific tasks that that help you achieve this goal, instead of like having something that's very uh, big. Uh, and even like with features that you want to implement or. Like you should be much more specific on this and you should try to split it up. So for instance, like if you're a developer, you would like to, you know, split things up like in, uh, for instance, if you're developing a feature like, uh, you know, brainstorm the solution, uh, implement uh, the test suite, implement uh, the, the, the actual code, test it. And then this would be like four tasks instead of just one. Uh, and even like if you're working on a much more complicated problem, try to split it up uh, into like manageable chunks that you can uh, work on. And I think also like having this plan makes it much easier to to do stuff because you're doing like small chunks that can help you achieve the, the main goal. And, you know, you do it one step at a time. Awesome. OK, those are really good tips. Thank you for sharing those. Um Let's uh, let's get on to the lightning round. I'm going to ask you uh, seven questions, um, and I just want you to try and answer them as quickly as you can. You ready? Yes, I am. All right, let's do it. So what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? That's very difficult, but I think it's probably to follow your passion and not really think about the business that much. Like just do something that you are really passionate about and that you want to see uh, happen. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? I would actually, like, given that it's mostly developers, I would recommend, uh, like, some of the design books uh, that are there. 
especially uh, I mean um, one of the things I really enjoyed was uh, Johnny Ives uh, biography I would recommend reading that and I think like a lot of developers they are really like restricting themselves by not really understanding design and right now design is as 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 important as development and and, and 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 you know the code itself like if you don't really have great design or great design sense that will really hurt you what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur i think like it's persistence and not giving up like uh, if you see the the story of to do is like i never gave up on it uh, and i even abandoned it and returned back to it but you know, I just kept at it and I didn't really like uh, listen to, to other people uh, that much. So like just believing in yourself and, you know, going after something. And I think also, you know, uh, success does not really happen overnight. Like you need to put a ton of time into it and you also have to have a great timing and et cetera. So um, I, I would say persistence and, you know, just going at it. And I think also like a lot of people are really, really fast to give up. Uh, very uh, soon like you know you do something uh, it doesn't have uh, attraction right away you give up and ignore it uh, so I think like persistence what's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit other than Todoist I would probably say focus uh, so like I'm really good at focusing on stuff uh, and I think also like shutting everything down, like email, uh, Twitter, Hacker News or whatever else you have, and just like focusing on, on the problem at hand and solving that. That's very important. What's uh, a new business idea that you'd pursue if you had extra time? What What is one of those sort of crazy ideas in your head that you wish you could do, but just never have time to pursue? Um, I'm really passionate about uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, and like um, AI-driven tools, I think that's going to be like the next next revolution. Um, so I would definitely like to invest a lot more time into that and seeing like uh, how you can integrate AI in different products. Uh, and I think like if you see the advancements that are happening right now uh, in AI, like uh, uh, Skype uh, live translation uh, of uh, of different languages, uh, that which is I mean, awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's really amazing. And I think like this is only a start. And I think the next step will be like trying to integrate this in all the tools that we have uh, and everything that we do. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Okay, I I don't think many people know this. Uh, like when I was a, a teen, uh, I played a lot of Age of Kings. And I was actually one of the best players in, in Europe. And I also wasted a ton of time doing that, <laughs> which I regret right now. <laughs> Maybe that's why you're making up for it with the productivity now. <laughs> yeah, so like it, it should be said that I was not always uh, that focused on productivity. You know? <laughs> and finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? I would say like um, learning and reading. Like uh, I spend a ton of my time on, on reading stuff. It could be books or articles uh, or like uh, following Coursera courses. So learning, I would say. 
And I think also like this is really important for any uh, entrepreneur. It's really like uh, learning stuff and becoming better uh, in all the aspects. So like uh, I have read a lot of books on, on marketing, on design, uh, and uh, I think this gives you a much, much better perspective of everything. And I think also like one of the reasons why Todoist has had so much success uh, like the last couple of years is because uh, I read a lot of, about it and then implemented this inside the, the work uh, that, that we do. Uh, Amir, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Uh, thank you so much for, for being so generous with your time. Um, if people want to find out more about Todoist, they can go to todoist.com. And if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, it's uh, via Twitter, I think. I usually tweet a lot of stuff. What is your Twitter Twitter handle? It's A-M-I-X-3-K. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes. So if people want to reach out to you, they can do that. Awesome. And I would also like to thank you for having me here. I hope this was useful for the people. And I'm actually also unsure if it was like very technical or if the advice is is very good. I think also like one of the problems is uh, advice is like very subjective and very like context uh, driven. So like I'm unsure if, if people can apply this uh, to their business or to their life. I hope they can, but, you know, everything I think should be taken with a grain of salt. Uh. Yeah, well, I, I think the general, um, the general test for me really has always been is if I find that I'm engaged with the guest and what they're telling me, and if I find that I've got some, some good practical tips that I can take away, it's been a very, very helpful uh, thing. And that's exactly what I felt here. So... Um, it's been incredibly valuable for me and I'm sure people listening to this will, will find that too. Um, so thanks again. It's been a pleasure. And, and we didn't do too badly with the sirens. I know there was a couple of, couple of them halfway through, but I think generally we were pretty lucky. So, <laughs> No, definitely. I think so as well. But let's see and uh, hear the, the playback. Maybe it's really bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Awesome. Amir, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. All the best. And thank you, Omar, and really good luck with your uh, with your uh, project. I think it's very exciting. I have actually not heard about it before. I will uh, sign up and uh, check it out. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Okay, enjoy, enjoy your weekend, and I'm sorry for keeping you so late on a Friday night. No, no problems. Take care. Take care. Okay, bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview. You can get to the show notes uh, by going to conversionaid.com slash 85. And if you haven't listened to part one of this interview, then I would uh, head over to conversionaid.com slash 84 and make sure you check out part one of this interview. Uh, Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Conversion Aid, the podcast that shows you how to take your business to the next level and create software that sells. But things don't have to end here. Head over to conversionaid.com slash VIP and get yourself on the free VIP list where we share special insider content and news about upcoming episodes. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.